AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon, just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, listener mail. This is Robert Lamb. And I'm Seth Nicholas Johnson. That's right. Uh, the week we're recording this, Joe is away from, from work, uh, doing something non-podcasty. And so Seth agreed to step in with me here to cover a couple of listener mails, but also... Uh, especially at the start here, to talk a little Ninja Turtles with me. Yes. Um, today's a very momentous occasion. A new TMNT game. Very, very exciting. Yeah, this is Shredder's Revenge. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge just came out this morning on the day we're recording. Uh, this is from Tribute Games and, uh, let's see, Dotemu, I believe it is. Uh, as opposed to being a Konami game, which is, of course, that's the the famous realm of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade beat-em-ups. Now, Rob, have you played any other games from these developers? Most specifically, have you played the Scott Pilgrim beat-em-up 2D side-scroller? Oh, no, no. I, I haven't played that one, but I 
I remember when that came out, and I remember being impressed with the, the, the like the retro look of that game. It's the same people then. Same people, which, which ah. I think speaks very highly of both, honestly, because I think both are wonderful games. Uh, this game just came out today, but Rob and I both have a ch- had a chance to play Shredder's Revenge. And um, it's actually really fun because um, they've made some references to their own past game in this maybe maybe there's more than one but the main one i've noticed is one of the attacks as april o'neill is mm-hmm. almost identical to one of the attacks as ramona flowers so oh, cool it's it's um if you enjoyed that scott pilgrim video game from from a while ago 10 years ago i think at this point uh you're gonna love this one too yeah yeah so the to take everybody back so Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, we're not going to hit everything here, but I guess the, the basic dates to keep in mind, the comic started in 84, we get the cartoon in 87, and then 1989 is when we get that first Konami arcade beat em up uh, I finally remember this one, and we've been chatting about this one off mic uh, a lot. Like this was, this was it seemed like it was everywhere. Maybe it was at Pizza Hut, uh, and of course it was in arcades. And this was a, a one of the arcade cabinets that it was just a pleasure to hang out around, even if you weren't playing it, if you didn't have the quarters on you. Uh, I, I have fond memories of watching other people play it. Yeah, most definitely. It. Um it felt very collaborative in a way mm-hmm. that um, I think ultimately kind of couch co-op has kind of needed yeah. to fill that place in today's modern world. But um, especially, too, I, I felt like it was a social engagement when you were at an arcade, whether by yourself or perhaps like at a birthday party or something. You would just hop onto these arcades with strangers and you would all suddenly have like a common goal that you're all working towards. And uh, it's surprisingly um, nostalgic. To just yeah. just just play video games in a public space with strangers, but this one and, and I gotta say a very similar game in my in my childhood was the uh, the Simpsons uh, side scroller oh, yeah. as well. Uh, th- those beat 'em ups were were just wonderful for just hop on, put in a couple quarters, you run out, someone else takes your place. It's just it's just fun times. Yeah, now they were real quarter uh, gobblers for sure. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, uh, X Men was another one. Mm, uh, yeah. Later on, Konami did a, an Aliens versus Predator. As well, that was fun, and I don't think that one's ever been released on a on a true console or port. I think there's some sort of a Konami arcade cabinet you can buy now and get it that way, which makes me think. Well, maybe there's hope because if they can relicense it somehow to do that, then surely it could pop up uh, on consoles again. And speaking of uh, kind of pulling up old licenses, are we going to talk about the Kawabunga collection? Oh yeah, now that's that's not out yet, but it's coming out mm-hmm. soon. Right, and this is going to be all the Konami games, including the the big arcade games, which, uh, again, we have that one in 1989 that was then ported to NES in 1990. Then there was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles in Time from 91. Um, and then you had some other Konami titles, including uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters, where there was like one version that came out on NES, uh, Super NES, I guess it was, and one version that came out on Sega in 93. And, and I think there was an NES traditional port as well like it was Mm -hmm. it was everywhere i remember that game being on like every console everyone had an opinion on it everyone tried it out and also that um each version i think had had a slightly different roster of characters too yeah it was i i I, i'm not a you know well informed on the the process that goes into these games now much less then but it it seems kind of weird in retrospect it's like they basically had the same idea but instead of like creating the same game on two consoles, they created two different 
variations on the same theme. It was it's it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, but but all fun. I I, I yeah. um I, I have very very fond memories of all of these old TMNT games. Even the strange like just kind of one off, seeming like disposable whatever games. Like there was a Game Boy one called uh, Fall of the Foot Clan. Oh, it's oh, yeah. just ingrained in my brain and in my heart. It, it, they all of the TMNT games really do have a fond place uh, in my memory. Were you were you a turtle in that one, or were you like a Foot Clan member? You were a turtle. It, it was the traditional okay. uh, four turtles. You pick one, you go through. And, and I think this is a very important part of everyone's childhood. Much like uh, mm-hmm. today, every child knows which um, which uh, Hogwarts house they would be in. Uh, back when right. we were children in the eighties. Everyone knew which turtle they would be. Uh, uh, Rob, which turtle would you be? Uh, I, ha- I faced the same question when I fired the new game up this morning. I went, mm-hmm. I went right where I would go in the old days. I went with Donatello with the, the big staff. I don't know why, but I, could just, <laughs> I just remembered, part of me remembered that that's my, my turtle. That's me as well, 100%. Oh, huh. uh, Donatello is my go-to turtle. Um, perhaps we see a bit of the uh, intellectual of Donatello, and we, 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 we strive <laughs> for that. We go, hey, he's the smart one. I, I, I see myself. I, I want to be an intellectual, too. I, I think I would be the inventor amongst the turtles. And also uh, with his bow staff, he had a very good reach, which is always yeah. just, just a positive as well. <laughs> a good reach. I, and part of me wonders if it's okay. It's not a bladed weapon. So did that have something to do with me being drawn to the, the staff? But then mm-hmm. again, the nunchucks are also uh, uh, an, uh, a blunt instrument. Uh, so I don't know. But I wasn't silly enough to be a Michelangelo as a child or now. <laughs> I, 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 I could pull off... Uh, being a Donatello, maybe on my worst days, I could be a Raphael, but I, I was never a Leonardo. I was never a Michelangelo. It just it just wasn't in me. Now, I don't remember Turtles in Time all that much, mm-hmm. uh, so I, I don't know if you had the same options, but in that first beat-em-up game, it was just the Turtles to choose from. You, that is correct you in the uh, Turtles in Time game as well, yes. I, I think okay. for most of the entire series, up till the fighting, you could only be the Turtles but in this new game, yeah, you can you can be additional characters, including April O'Neil, and uh, you can be Splinter. The the second time I I played the new game, I I did a like a, an online multiplayer deal where you can have like six different characters at once. I went with Splinter, and he's he's a lot of fun in this as well. I, I did the same. I, I started as Donatello, and then I wanted to see these other characters. So yeah, I switched to Splinter. Split, Splinter's got a lot of uh, a, a great. I guess he's got a great range of martial art attacks, which makes perfect sense for, you know, he, he's their leader, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, and then also I switched over to April O'Neil, who is uh, also quite good in this new game. And uh, I've heard, I have not experienced this yet, but I've heard you can play as Casey Jones eventually. Yeah, that must be an unlock or something, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best things I can say about this game, too, see, um, you know me, Rob, I... I love music more than anything that's that's like my Mm -hmm. my thing is i i spend all my time listening to and talking about and doing music i i I host a music podcast rusty needles record club um the um music in this game is so good that it makes me do something that i never do i actually have the volume turned up on my game console oh yeah literally 100 percent of the time when i'm playing video games i mute my game console and i listen to the music that i want to listen to that's a hundred percent of the time it's so good in this game that i actually have i don't know got gone against my own like uh uh instincts 
and I'm actually listening to the game provided soundtrack, and it's wonderful. That's that's a great point. Yeah, I I often do the same thing with video games. I'll play Soma FM over it and just have the game itself muted. But mm-hmm. yeah, with this one, they've really done a great job creating the uh, the, the the feel and the sound of uh, of a '90s arcade game and. I, I, I can't stress enough just how, yeah, how how good a job they seem to have done with it because I've seen other games come out that are kind of like a, a rehash that are just kind of, they're, they're tapping into the nostalgia, but they're not really doing something with it. Like this game seems to have been, it seems to be true to that original vibe, but they've also updated it a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. there's sort of uh, the, some of the gameplay elements, I guess, make it feel more like a modern game without feeling like it's you know gone beyond its roots. I guess I'll stress real quick, though. This is not an ad. We just really like this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is not paid for or anything. Um, but they, I, I they think have they no also. I think they also got some of the uh, old uh, voice actors in there too. Um, oh yeah, really? I don't think they've gotten all of them because I, I know some have sadly passed. But I do believe the four turtles, at the very least, are the original voice actors from the original '80s animated series, mm-hmm. and whew. So great. It, it just, it, you get that instant rush of nostalgia and it's, it's wonderful. All right. Well, as long as I've got you on here talking about, uh, about t- the turtles, mm-hmm. uh, Seth, uh, what are your thoughts on the movies? Uh, love them. I mean, I, I grew up through all three of them, obviously. Well, and it's funny, we call them three. I think at this point, there's got to be at least eight or nine, you know? When, oh, yeah. There have been various animated projects over the years. Not right? to mention those live action Michael Bay. Oh, God. I oh, say. God. I forgot about those. Yeah. I, I haven't yes. seen any of those. I, I, I am I am a, a purist when it comes to Ninja Turtles. I stopped after the, 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 the 90s. The 90s were the end of the Turtles for me. And um, But the original run, the original three, I loved to death. Uh, the first one felt very gritty and like very uh, mature. So I felt like kind mm-hmm. of like an adult watching it, <laughs> like, you know, in yeah. 1990. And then um, Secret of the Ooze was a, a lot of fun because, you know, to my childhood sensibilities, it had vanilla ice, it had things like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then three, three is such a strange thing. Like, I don't know the accuracy behind this. This is just like my own vision in my mind was that some screenwriter went out there and wrote a a like feudal japan like you know melodrama <laughs> mm-hmm. and and you know almost like princess mononoke-esque of like you know warring factions and all that kind of stuff and, and then someone was like oh wait, i can't sell this why don't you put some ninja turtles <laughs> in it and so they just do a pass on the script and insert ninja turtles in there traveling through time and being becoming kappa you know these uh, demons that, that resemble oh, turtles okay and uh and then somehow ninja turtles 3 came out of that but um no, no I, I i loved the film franchise as, as a child and i've actually gone back and rewatched the first one a couple of times as an adult and i gotta say it holds uh-huh. up pretty well I, I haven't revisited two or three in quite a while though uh, how about you okay uh, i haven't watched the three of them as an adult so i don't think i ever saw the third one uh but i did watch the first two saw the first one in a movie theater as a kid and uh and, and loved it at the time and i've been tempted to show it to my son mm. uh who's now 10 and i think uh yeah it sounds like it would be be decent to show to him i um, think so you know, you got the, I believe Jim Henson's Creature Shop did the uh, the turtle effects. Well, one of the last things uh, Jim did while he was still alive was was mm-hmm. those turtles. Yeah, 
I, I think he also had some input on the uh, Dinosaurs television sitcom, but yeah. I know that premiered after he had already passed. But uh, but yeah, Ninja Turtles was one of Jim Henson's last projects, which is which is fascinating. Cool. Yeah, I remember really digging Shredder in it because mm-hmm. uh, Shredder was always a cool cool character. I. I, I it was, it's weird looking back because at the time when Turtles was big, I thought I was too old for the the action figures, and I, I wasn't. Uh, but I but I wanted the action figures, so like I really wanted a Shredder action figure. I really <laughs> wanted a, a Krang uh, action figure. But um, but uh, for some reason, it was like, no, I can't. I'm not supposed to have action figures anymore. <laughs> There's definitely like a uh, uh, an imaginary line in, in all children's minds when they cross mm-hmm. beyond childish things. And it's way too early. Like, like that line is drawn by the child at mm-hmm. a very early age to go, no, I can no longer watch cartoons. I can no longer buy action figures. And I think you, you get over that after you cross another threshold. Yeah. Like, like yeah it's de- like, decades later, you're on eBay looking up those <laughs> those action figures that you decided you were too old for. And you're like, hey, should I pay uh, $150 for this? I don't know. I feel like I should. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, I think that's the stage of every adult's life is trying to rebuy their childhood on eBay. I, I know I've gone through that stage. So it's, <laughs> it's out there. All right. Well, um, hey, we'd love to hear from anyone out there who has thoughts about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games, uh, TV shows, and movies. I mean, it's, a, it's comics, it's a, it's a media empire. There's been so much of it. I don't really know my way around anything aside from some of the video games, some of the movies, and of course, uh, I I guess some of the television series episodes, because I don't think I ever watched it uh, all in its entirety. There's, um, uh, if you play this new game audience, uh, there's a lot of fun references to all of the weird little minutiae. I'm I'm, I'm very, very, I guess, well-versed in the animated series of uh, Mm -hmm. Ninja Turtles. I I own the whole series. I sadly watch it pretty regularly. And, um, there's a lot of fun little references in the new game shredder's revenge to the old series like here's one of many examples there's a lot of uh unlockables and hidden items hidden throughout the stages you find one and it's irma irma is april o'neill's like best friend that works with her at the um the, the news station you find her diary and you can hear irma's voice going remember that one time i grew really really big and it's like yeah that was <laughs> that was an episode of the series where irma became like you know a giantess and she, and she was like you know uh, uh much like a godzilla film rampaging through new york and the turtles had to help fix this <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah there's 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 clearly a lot going on visually in uh, on, on each level there's a lot of cool funny stuff going on in the background mm-hmm. uh so yeah it, a lot of love seemed to have gone into this game yeah not an ad but uh, if it was yeah. an ad i recommend it <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we'll make it extra not an ad by not telling anybody where they can buy it that's you're on your own if this were an ad we'd, we'd give you more instructions right <laughs> Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Rob, as the uh, the local host with allergies here, they sent you some of their nasal spray to treat your allergies. What was your experience like? Yeah, that's right. I always wrestle with the pollen a bit when it rolls in during the spring. So they sent me the little uh, nasal spray. I tried out the product and yeah, it sure did help me get on top of my symptoms for the day. And it's so fast acting, uh, it was already kicking in before I left the house. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. 
Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can get Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then, through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles in a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Oh. 
All right, but th- this is technically listener mail, so I do have a couple of listener mail uh, here to go through, and uh, and Seth is going to join me uh, here for this. I've got I got one for stuff to blow your mind and one for Weird House, so we'll start with stuff to blow your mind. All right, this one comes to us from Adam. Adam writes, hello, Robert and Joe. My name is Adam, and I'm from Ohio. I've been listening for two years, and I am catching up on some of your recent episodes, and I just found The Cauldron Part 1 and 2, and oh boy, I have a great example of a very great cauldron slash jar you must see. Elden Ring, possible 2022 game of the year, features one of my favorite characters in any video game named Iron Fist Alexander, who is a glorious giant sentient pot, image included below. For listeners, Alexander has stubby little legs and long arms that he utilizes for his legendary spin attack. You first encounter Alexander partially stuck in the ground, and you help him out by knocking him out of the hole. He tells you that he is on a journey to be the greatest warrior in all the lands. Throughout the game, you find him in various wild environments that signify his quest for strength and glory. You later find Alexander inside of a volcano because he is attempting to harden his shell in order to be a stronger fighter. Spoilers! This epic quest line comes to an end very near the final boss of the game, where Alexander knows things are coming to an end and wishes to fight you, and the bittersweet fight does not end well for him. Side note, there is also a well-hidden, tranquil little town in one of the first areas of the game called Jarburg. All of the residents of Jarburg are also sentient pots, from small to giant, possibly suggesting the small pots may be children. This is a peaceful town, and it is very much frowned upon by the Elden Ring community to disrupt their way of life. (laughs) Though this has no scientific, historical, cultural relevance, I still wanted to share this wonderful gem of characters with you guys. Cheers, Adam. I'm looking at pictures of Iron Fist Alexander now, and he is beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Now, I was familiar with this game. I haven't played it. I think Joe might have. So apologies, Joe, for for jumping ahead and and looking at this one. We we can always come back to this on another listener mail. But Seth, have have you played this game? I haven't. I'm in the same boat as you. I've, I've heard that it's a wonderful game. I've seen people enjoying it in the world. But man, this this is gorgeous. Uh, so many um, images of Iron Fist Alexander on the internet, and so many art projects people have made <laughs> in in um, in tribute to Iron Fist Alexander. My uh, favorite one I'm seeing here: uh, lots of Etsy stuff. One, it looks almost like a little chia pet version of him. So oh. growing out the top of the cauldron is a nice little fern, and. Um, <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful stuff. Uh, I'd love to jump into this series sometime because everyone who talks about it speaks so glowingly of it and and clearly is connecting to it on such a such deep level. I'd heard that it had like really weird bosses, and I heard that it was really hard, but I didn't know that it had any kind of humor to it. So it's uh, I'm I'm actually more inspired learning that there's a character like this and a town like this in this game. I completely agree. I, I've played so much Legend of Zelda, and um, that that classically has a lot of humor and frivolity mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, I guess wonder to it. And I always pictured the Elden Ring series being kind of like a grim, dark, modern take yeah. on that same kind of fantasy adventure. And seeing a creature like this, this feels like a Zelda character, see, looking at these images. And, and you're right, it, it does... It changes my perspective on this series. It makes me think I need to play it. And I will say, I, this is, I think, ultimately culturally relevant to our discussions here on the show. So uh, thanks for writing in. All right, this next one's going to be a Weird House Cinema suggestion. And um, 
Uh, I guess both of these have a lot in common. They're both suggesting bits of media that I haven't checked out. Uh, uh, This is from a listener by the name of Rob. Rob writes in and says, I think both of y'all are fans of Jorge Luis Borges, so you might enjoy tackling the 1992 Alex Cox film, Death and the Compass, starring Peter Boyle and Christopher Eccleston. It's an expanded adaptation of Borrow's 1942 short story of the same name, in which a detective investigates what appears to be a, a series of ritual murders by Hasidim. Uh, I haven't seen the film in a few years, but I recall that it's very weird in a number of respects. Narrative structure, dialogue, performances, score by the post-punk group Pray for Rain, and super stylized cinematography incorporating lots of fisheye lenses, blurring effects, and so forth. I think it's weird enough for WHC. It's certainly an obscure film and one that is perhaps of interest only to Alex Cox completists and Borges enjoyers, since it is, to my knowledge, the only feature-length adaptation of a Borges story. It seems to be available on Amazon Prime Video and on DVD. Wonderful. Yeah, thanks for writing in about this, uh, Rob. I have not uh, seen this film, but I was looking it up a little bit. Um, I guess the the first thing I have to mention is that I haven't even seen Alex Cox's uh, Repo Man, which I realize is probably kind of a cult film heresy to admit. Uh, have you seen Repo Man? I've seen a number of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> which which one is the Alex Cox one? Is that the one where they are stealing the organs of people? Because there's there's a musical, which I believe is like what? Oh, yeah, yeah. Repo the Musical, <laughs> right? And then there's like the one, I think there's one that has uh, the Mighty Ducks guy in it, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the one. That's the Alex Cox one. Cox that, one. It has Harry you, Dean Stanton and Emilio Estevez. That's the one I've seen. I apologize, Emilio, for referring to you as the Mighty Ducks guy. I'm sure you don't enjoy <laughs> that. But uh, yes, I have seen that. And yeah, that is that is that is definitely, yeah, cult film uh, uh, canon. But um, no, I, I, I've, I've, the funny thing when you were describing this, I definitely haven't seen the film, but I think I might have read the book. So, uh, yeah. or, or this short story more specifically. So, uh, yeah, the, 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 this sounds fascinating. Yeah, the, the the short story I'm more familiar with, certainly. It's kind of a noir detective tale that involves like the ultimate over intellectualized string of murders and the ultimate over intellectualized investigation of said murders. Uh, like most Borges stories, it, it doesn't just scream for cinematic adaptation. So uh, it would be interesting to see how they ended up tackling it and putting it together on screen, expanding it and so forth. Um, there, there've been a number of, I think generally short adaptations of Borges stories over the years. Uh, and I, I've never actually checked one out. I don't know. They, they tend to be very, I guess, high-minded, artsy attempts, which is kind of interesting given that just on paper, a whole lot of Borges stories have some sort of speculative element to them that would seem to line up with a lot of you know weird films and horror and supernatural. You've got minotaurs and stabbings and dream people coming to life and haunted books that go on forever. I, I, I think y'all could have some fun with this, for sure. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to add it to the list. Uh, got a growing list of films to consider, and uh, and then you know week to week, it's also just kind of based on, on what what we're interested in and what's uh, drawing in our attention. It really is a never ending list. No matter how many films uh, uh, you guys go through on Weird House Cinema, the list just always going to grow. I mean, I mean, there are so many films perpetually in production, uh, things mm-hmm. from the past that get resurfaced, and yeah. it's just wonderful. Uh, as long as I'm here on the show, I'm going to make a suggestion for this list. You ready, Rob? Oh, yeah, let's have it. One of my favorites in the realm of Weird House Cinema, uh, you know, I have an, uh, an animation background, so I, there's mm-hmm. a, a very uh, uh, soft place in my heart for this film. It's from 1988. 
It's Jan Svenkmar's Alice. Have you ever heard of this? Oh, um, I haven't seen it. I've, I think I've seen the the case for it at Videodrome. Mm. And uh, I've, I think I've seen some shorts uh, from uh, the filmmaker in question. Yeah, so, so Jan Svenkmar is a, a wonderful surrealist uh, um, animator, usually stop motion style. And this was his first film in 1988 after he'd been building up to it for like decades of making these shorts. And um, yeah, it's it's just the Alice in Wonderland, you know, adaptation that we've seen many, many times before. But it all takes place with a live action girl playing Alice. And whenever something changes her size, she'll shrink mm-hmm. down into like literally a doll, like a China doll. Oh, wow. And then she'll like grow up and it'll just be like these like strange limbs. And everything she encounters is within like a dilapidated house. That's all Wonderland mm-hmm. is. And so, therefore, all the creatures she interacts with are, like, taxidermied animals or, like, a, a skull or, like, um, I don't know, a jar filled with thumbtacks. Like, just <laughs> the, whatever strange things are, would be sitting on a shelf in an old dilapidated house. Those are the elements that come to life. There, there's one of my favorite parts when the uh, caterpillar uh, 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 comes to life. It is an old sock with a pair of dentures in its mouth sitting on a doorknob. <laughs> Oh, wow. Absolutely beautiful. So imagine that, stop motion animated. It's just incredible. Anyway, anyway, I I, I could give you guys a million recommendations, but um, I always think to myself, that's the one I want Rob and Joe to watch. (laughs) All right, we'll put it on the list. Yeah, I've never seen it. I I think I saw his 2000 film, Little Otek, and... And, of course, I've seen some films by uh, the Brothers Quay, who mm. were very much inspired by his work. Yes, yes. Brothers Quay are definitely in the same realm, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I went through a phase at one point where I was like, this is what I'm going to be into. I'm going to be into weird European stop-motion films. <laughs> and uh, I might have bit off more than I could chew at the time. So, it ended up not lasting super long, but I, I saw a few things in there. So, it would be, be neat to dive back into that world at some point. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and close out this episode here. Um so just to, to remind everybody, Stuff to Blow Your Mind, find it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Listener Mail publishes on Monday there, core episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, short form artifact or monster fact on Wednesdays. And then uh, on Fridays, most serious matters are set aside and it's Weird House Cinema time. Uh, Seth, tell us one more time where folks can uh, find Rusty Needles Record Club. Sure. Uh, If you like hearing me talk, um, you can hear it every week. Every Friday, I uh, host a show called Rusty Needles Record Club. You can find it in all the standard podcast places, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Basically, myself and a guest, we listen to an album and then talk about it. It's like a book club, but for music instead. That's what we like to say. And uh, it's a good time. If you like music, if you like chit-chat about music, and you don't really have any, like, you know, music friends around you, you want want that (laughs) surrogate to to have some... uh, uh, music nonsense chit-chatted about. That's, that's what I'm here for. All right. Yeah, Joe's been on there. At some point, I'll come on there. Mm-hmm. Just waiting for the stars to align on that. Yes. All right. And hey, if you want to reach out to any of us, just drop us a line at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts are wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. 
Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.